Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. I am really glad to be here with you this week. How are you guys holding up? I know we're all getting a little stir crazy and uh, our, some of our leaders are crazy crazy. And uh, it looks like the governor of uh, Georgia and of course my home state, they're ready to send us out like guinea pigs out into the wild. Uh, I hope you guys are uh, keeping that hair undone and keeping those nails jagged just a little bit longer so we can actually feel safe maybe? I don't know. I don't know the right thing to do on that, but we're going to keep it rolling and keep talking. Uh, Insecure has debuted. We're on week two of Insecure. And if you are like me, you are tuned in watching, almost positive that Lawrence and Issa are going to mess up their both of their relationship with Condola at this point. And we can see that Molly and uh, Issa are going to mess up their relationship with each other. So it's really interesting to watch just to see because so much of it is about friendship in the last uh few seasons of the show a lot of it was about relationships to you know romantic partners this season you can see that there's an emphasis on the relationships that we have with each other adult friendships can be tough to navigate as people are struggling to navigate work and relationships um, that are romantic and life and becoming a grown-up friendships sort of get kind of in the muck and mire sometimes. So it'll be interesting to watch that. This is the first season that I have watched with my husband. He's not watched any of the seasons, right? And so every time, he's just hilarious because it's like, this is a lot, there's a lot of sex on this show. There's, oh my God. You know, and and it's, uh, and Insecure is one of the few shows that shows a lot more male bodies <laughs> than female bodies when it comes to sex. You know, I think we're so programmed to see boobs and almost all of the woman's nude body and then you might see a foot or a leg or a bare chest out of a man right and insecure kind of flips that on its head a lot <laughs> let's just say I end up giggling a lot as Marcel covers his eyes <laughs> uh, so yes 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 we'll be talking about insecure we'll be watching insecure it's always fun it's always a funny show too and we always get a lot of good catchphrases out of it so let's get to the meat and potatoes of our entertainment week, and that is the battle. Teddy Riley versus Babyface. Now let me tell you how excited I was. On Saturday night, I uh, got, was it Saturday or Sunday? What was the 18th? I got up, I started cooking. I said, okay, we got to have dinner ready. We got to be in place because I don't want to miss this battle. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it, right? So, you know, I cook my little dinner, you know, sit my little husband down, and we log on to the Instagram. Teddy Riley, I noticed, I said, there's a lot of people in Teddy's house. And, and my friend's like, oh, he's got the talk box. I said, well, why does he have, like, 10 people roaming around his home? Nevertheless, I'm still thinking, this is a lot. It looked like one of those little concerts that they do. You, If you've ever watched Unsung on TV1, Lately, they've been doing this thing where it's like, we're going to give you a five-minute concert of the person we just tributed on TV One. And they come in a little room. Teddy Riley has his living room set up like a miniature TV One concert, right? And a sweatsuit and a fedora and, you know, there's keyboards. There's 
some sort of a screen with, that looks like a lava lamp in the background. Already he's doing the most. He's doing too much. He's doing a lot. And I could feel my ire start to like rise as I'm watching it. Like, okay, you're doing a lot, Ted. You're doing a lot. Babyface finally joins because it took forever for him to figure out how to. I, at first I thought maybe Babyface was slow on the tech, but now I realized Teddy Riley was so busy sort of meandering around and, and doing whatever it is that he was doing and fiddling with things that he his phone was somewhere mounted somewhere else. And then he had everything. Honey, was a mess. So Babyface gets in. Babyface is in his studio wearing a nice black velvet suit. And, you know, he's ready to roll. Like most of the versus uh, battles have been on Instagram. It is that producer, maybe one or two people, particularly people that live with them in the background. But it's just them usually in the studio playing music off their computer into a speaker because it's just Instagram. Like this is not a real like website for you. It is supposed to be accessible for all the fans. So, you know, Teddy Riley gets to going and all of a sudden all we hear is echo and echo and echo and he's talking in a microphone and he's far away and and he starts to play his first number and he does Dougie Fresh's The Show because that was his first track that he did at like 17 and he's very proud. There's choreography, there's, uh, you know, bum, 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 he's going. And all of a sudden we look, we can't hear nothing. The whole thing is like a scratchy, it's like listening through a tin can across a string from across like a park somewhere, but in an echo. And he's just going and doing little arm motions. And then he's got a friend in the background. This guy is like the only person enjoying it. Everyone's typing in the thing. There's an echo, there's an echo, there's an echo. But nobody is manning Teddy's phone. Nobody is saying, hey, Ted, you know, maybe don't talk in a microphone. Maybe just, you know, stand close to your phone and just play the music like a normal person. He's got all kinds of stuff going on. And, and you know, and, and, and a homeboy is in the back, you know, two-stepping and five, six, seven, eight, and boom cacking to the beat. And, you know, so they're trying to go back and forth. There's no sound issues on Babyface's side, right? Babyface's clear, crisp audio it is lovely. It is beautiful. We're ready, right? You know, he gives us two occasions. It is lovely. Like, I love two occasions. So, you know, then Teddy Riley does his. Again, we're typing. There's an echo. There's an echo. Why is there an echo? Hey, whose friend is this? Again, he gets up and does Groove Me. Baby, tonight. Which we enjoy. Again, echo, though. It's like, you know, so I'm still trying, you know, I'm still trying to bop to the beat but it's like two beats at the same time because the whole thing was, the audio was trash. Um, and it was trash because he's got so much going on, right? And a hype man in the back, still the hype man in the back, just, you know, two-stepping and jiving it. He's, you know, boom cacking and all that stuff. Finally, after a whole night of just a sort of, you know, he's, you know, oh, they're saying there's an echo. Let me stop. Let me do this. Let me do that. Then he tells Babyface, why don't you turn your speaker down? You know, like, who's helping you do stuff? Babyface is like, I'm here alone because of social distancing. I think that says it all. You know, our friend Babyface has come off his sickbed. He had corona. Uh, and he looks good. I had to Google how old he was. And let me tell you, only the face is a baby. He's an older dude. But he looks great, right? So Teddy Riley's got this full stage set up. And he was asking if Babyface was the problem. <laughs> so 
the internet is ablaze, right? Like lights of flame. Tony Braxton is on Twitter going off. I'm finna disconnect. Y'all tell me when they play my song, cause you know it's not babyface. You right. Teddy need to turn his mic down. You know, Tamar is doing videos about how, you know, this has been the long, and it was really like watching a very long mic check. They were just, you know, trying to get it right. Y'all hear the echo? Do y'all hear the echo? It was a horribly, it was horrible, right? And it was mostly horrible because Teddy Riley, you know, gave us a very hard lesson of less is more sometimes. Like, your gifts will make room for you. And, and you just need to bring your talent. And every once in a while, Razzle Dazzle is great. But this is not, you know, you got to know your format more than you have to just be extra. So finally, and then I'm starting to notice, I'm like, how many people did Teddy Riley put in his home? Like, what part of social distancing doesn't he understand? Because I see somebody with wires. And then I saw, like, I swear I saw a white man with some cameras and all sorts of stuff. I'm just like, who's these people? And then a woman's voice came in and said, we're experiencing technical difficulties. So uh, then they said, oh, give us a few minutes. We're going to log back in at 10.30 and get started. 10.30, I've been here since 9. I'm going to bed or at least to watch something else. Like, we're not going to come back to, to watch you mess this up with, you know, this lava lamp background. And Bri we found out that the, the, the backup dancer is an actual record exec named Breon. I don't know if Breon's origin story is being a backup dancer. But let me tell you, my dude was ready for the beat. He was. I kind of missed him when we had the rematch because... Well, nobody having as much fun as him. <laughs> so Swiss Beats and Timbaland, who are the ones that are sort of, uh, uh, I guess, the chairman of the committee or the, you know, I don't know how they're calling themselves, but they're the ones organizing this, right? They said they had to call it. They said the fans are too excited. There were over 500,000 people in the room at one time. And that's probably not counting all the people who kind of dipped in, dipped out, or were watching in groups or whatever. You know, probably close to a million I think it was close to a million, I heard, both the night of the original match and then the rematch. So, you know, Swiss Beats is like, we got to call it. It's not it's not set up right. It's not this. As we are watching this battle, though, the Saints are going up. The celebrities are saying crazy things. We're saying crazy things. People are like, kill the hype man. Why is there, why is there a backup dancer? turn your mic off, turn your mic down. You know, everybody, all of a sudden, we all are sound engineers. Everyone's in the comments just telling you, you know, if you could just boost the reverb, you know, Mariah Carey was like, I thought I used a lot of reverb. This is too much. So <laughs> Tony Braxton's still going off. Like if you do yourself a favor, look up Tony Braxton's Twitter comments from the night of the original battle and get yourself a good kiki, a good laugh, right? So Tony Braxton's going off. We're all going off. Now my favorite moment from this is not actually what Teddy Riley and Babyface did. Our friend Tyrese, literally, and do your Googles. Tyrese has a history with, with things of this nature. He tells us that Teddy Riley should throw in the tile. <laughs> I can't it without laughing now for those of you who are unfamiliar and I don't know you have to only be unfamiliar if American English is not your first language right but the phrase is to throw in the towel right you are throwing in the towel is symbolism of you give up you don't you you know you lost you're out I don't know where I don't know if Tyrese has just been hanging around a bunch of southerners who say towel like towel because if you draw it enough you can, but I don't know if he's never seen the word written. He's talking about some throw in the towel. 
So, of course, the internet has run amok with throwing the tile jokes. And <laughs> pulling up all the other silly things that Tyrese has typed and texted and said throughout the years. <laughs> Reminding us that Tyrese's talents are to just be handsome in the same. And occasionally, he can memorize some movie parts. But typing... That ain't, and sometimes talking, talking ain't really his thing. <laughs> so, you know, by the time we got the rematch, which was just like, what, Monday night? They said, we got a rematch. I said, oh boy, let me see if I'm ready for the rematch. Am I ready as a fan for the rematch? So we log in. Teddy Riley has humbled himself after memes and memes and memes of him in this in that burgundy sweatsuit looking perplexed as to how come my sound don't work <laughs> by by monday he was sitting calmly in a black outfit in his studio now there were still too many people in his house because we noticed he kept running out the room for stuff <laughs> but he he was able to work now at one point the sound was a little low and people were like turn your sound up and then the rest of us was like don't touch nothing we scared don't touch nothing nothing teddy just sit still i think his old daughter was like don't touch please <laughs> well he and babyface go back and forth this time babyface has reframed his shot there's candles in the back flowers and grammy awards so you know babyface and he they got to do the traditional battle and as tyree said he was in there typing carefully <laughs> It was a good, it was a good showing, right? Uh, <laughs> even when they had some technological problems. Now, let me tell you, these two are musical geniuses. They are our legends. They have provided us, and, and, and the battle reminded us, they have been giving us hits since the early 80s. Like, the soundtrack of a lot of our lives came from them. Both their original music that they were producing as artists, but also what they wrote for other people. Michael Jackson, and Whitney Houston, and Tony Braxton. I mean, legend, legend, legends. Uh, you know, what? Uh, Kenny even went and played Eric Clapton. I mean, he's just, woo, these are legends, right? <laughs> now, what got funny was when it started, and they finally were able to join up and do the actual Instagram. And then they got stuck on the pinned tweet. So what you're supposed to do is... Uh, they're supposed to type, you know, what it is and then pin it to the bottom. So when the comments scroll, you still see, you know, hashtag versus, you know, babyface versus Teddy Riley, you know, whatever. So they got stuck on that. It was like watching your uncles at a barbecue struggling to hook up a VCR. They were just like, well, what you? So this Teddy Riley could do. He said, uh, Kenny, can you type it in? So babyface like, yeah. He says, put number sign, <laughs> number sign versus, that's V-E-R. So they start spelling, and, and by Swiss Beats, is that a Z? <laughs> Baby face, it's not coming up. Did you spell it Timber? Oh, Timber, not Timber. <laughs> After a while, we got so tired of watching them struggle. Def Jam's account just figured it out, pinned it. Everybody's like, thank you, thank you. We know where we at. We don't need you to <laughs> don't waste our time with this pin tweet. <laughs> it was really fun though. 
just uh, listening to those hits reminds us of, you know, all of the get-togethers and the family and the loved ones and all those things. Those songs are soundtracks, not just to movies, because they did remind us that they are the king of some of those soundtracks to those classic films, but they really are the soundtracks to our lives. So no matter who you feel like won that that verses in terms of hits and picking the songs, because it's really about picking which songs go where, in my opinion, right? No matter who you feel won that battle, we as lovers of music, as the culture, as the community, as R&B fans, as historians of this era, we're the winners, man. It was, a, it was history. Up to a million people turned off their TVs and turned on Instagram to watch Teddy Riley and Babyface call a hashtag a number sign. (laughs) Uh, And to kind of see if Tyrese would mess up and say something else like throwing the tile. (laughs) I loved it. So that was really the fun I had. Those memes... Those memes, those memes. And even last night, Teddy Riley's Wi-Fi was sketchy boots, honey, because every once in a while, everything would get froze right in the good parts of stuff. It was in the middle of Remember the Times. My Wi-Fi, my Wi-Fi said, huh, did it? So um, I saw today some fool made a GoFundMe. <laughs> Let's do a GoFundMe to get Teddy Riley a new router because we're tired of his ish. <laughs> I laughed, when I tell you I laughed till I cried for basically two nights straight. And let me tell you something else real quickly. I would love for Babyface to be a life coach, to just teach us his ways, because not only is he superiorly talented in songwriting and music creation and producing, he has so much patience when it comes to other people doing things that may not be the best move He's very good at that, but he's also very shady boots. His segue and the way he introduced these songs were so calm, so smooth, and yet so petty. He would like introduce a song like, you know, Michael Jackson told me like that he wanted to go on a date with Halle Berry. All of us, what? Huh? What? What? You just casually dropped this? He does a Michael Jackson impersonation for all of us. And my favorite shady boots line was. Well, he said what we were thinking because Teddy Riley dropped, um, he dropped a song, but it was a remix that he do- he did for someone else, right? I think it was like Janet Jackson. And originally it was Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who I really think should have battled Babyface. And um, Teddy Riley had done the remix. So Teddy Riley plays it and drops it like, ow, I did Janet Jackson. <laughs> And, you know, before I could even say anything, we're in the group meet. And I was like, I keep saying our remix is counting. And my friend Tremaine, who has been on the podcast before and is a music aficionado, was like, that's not, that shouldn't count. All he added was some beats to another person's song. Babyface casually, are we counting remixes? Yeah, why not? Oh, I wouldn't know. I don't do remixes. The originals are enough. Ooh, <laughs> that's some refined shade, honey. That is, that's not church lady shade. That's first lady of the church shade. That is, that is, that's refined. That's some, ooh, that's shade with some champagne. 
<laughs> Teach me your ways, baby face. I too would like to be classy and patient and yet so smooth with that thing. <laughs> and he had a new a different velvet little jacket on. Babyface was ready, so you know, it was just it was good. It was a good time. It lifted my spirits. Ah, <sighs> what a good time. So, uh I'm taping this a smidge earlier than usual because I've been running errands and I have to run hither and thither this week, but I'm about to watch this Prince Grammy tribute. And part of me is like how long are we going to keep grieving? Not grieving, but how long do we publicly grieve? How long do we keep using this person's name, this person's legacy for our own entertainment, right? When do we let people rest? The other part of me is like, listen, I'm in quarantine and I can't see nobody outside my house. So come on, Sheila E., do it again. I don't know. That's a that's a deep thought. My my dear friend Shelly, also uh, a guest that has been on the podcast and is the uh, host of Chit Chat with Shelly Cheyenne, Coach Shelly, is a huge Prince fan. And she and I got into that conversation earlier this week of, okay, now, when do we, are the tributes becoming gratuitous? Are we still honoring the legacy? Or is it like, y'all ain't getting no gigs unless y'all bring up Prince's name? have a firm opinion it's just something to ponder I guess that's something that's ruminating in my mind Hmm. lots of things are ruminating in my mind and that's what uh (laughs) this whole episode is sort of about I want to segue into my guest Uh, Isis Petway has uh, been one of my buddies and she is a licensed therapist and she recently sparked a really interesting conversation about black women and freedom. So I wanted to have a chat with her, get some perspective and just talk about what does it mean to be a free black woman. So uh, I want you to stay tuned, listen, I think you're going to enjoy this one and uh, we'll be right back. All right, hello and welcome back. I am here with my guest. I'm super excited to have her here. Her name is Isis Petway. Am I pronouncing your last name right, Petway? You absolutely are, yes, thank you. Awesome, awesome. (laughs) She is a licensed mental health therapist. um, And according to your bio, you say you like to uh, shatter the stigma around mental illness in the African-American community. Give everybody a chance to get to know you. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening. So as uh, Shannon stated, um, well, my name is Isis Petway. I currently reside in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I am a new therapist, a newly licensed therapist to the field. And part of the work that I definitely want to do and what inspired me is to continue um, doing the work that shatters the stigma around what we think or what we think we know in regards to uh, mental illness, definitely um, mental wellness as well, and that it's okay to have Jesus, but it's also okay to seek a therapist as well. Um, Therapist, life coach, you know, whatever you need on your journey to be a better you. And so that's pretty much my platform starting out. It may change as I grow and continue to learn in the field, Um, but that's what I want to do starting out. I'm also a mother to a very uh, energetic and intelligent uh, 11-year-old. 
And yes, he um, raised me a Sagittarius child. Pray Ooh. for me. <laughs> Listen, I'm a Sagittarius. Every time people tell me their kids are Sagittarians, I'm like, all right, more on the team. I love a Sagittarius baby, but I might be biased. I mean, any advice? Because, you know, one thing I'm learning is y'all, I can say this about all my Sagittarius friends. Y'all are very, you know yourselves. And y'all stand your ground. And if y'all want it to be a certain way, that's what it's going to (laughs) be. I'm literally yeah. trying to analyze that part of myself right now, which is why it's even funnier to me because I'm constantly like, hmm, is that my problem deep inside? Like trying to. <laughs> and I think with, with, with children, because they're still so innocent and they haven't, you know, some have had experiences that, that have definitely changed them. But I know for my son in particular, I can speak for him. He, you know, he's very matter of fact, um, yes. very very blunt. I yes. will say that about y'all, all of my staff <laughs> friends. If I know I need to be gathered in truth, you know, and, and, and love, but definitely in truth, unfiltered and raw, I know who to go to for that. It's, you know, so yes, mother to a very intelligent, very fiery Sagittarius uh, young man. And uh, what else about me that you all would probably want to know? I mean, I'm, I enjoy, as I get older, I am understanding the importance of close friends, definitely being closer to family. As I'm getting older as well, definitely professionally, continuing to meet new people so that, you know, I expand my network, but also expand myself to exposures to different worlds that I may not be aware of or privy to, um, because I believe that's how you grow. Um, I believe that's how true growth happens is you have to get around people of different mindsets sometimes to really challenge yourself. And so, you know, I'm appreciating this particular season of my life and um because that's where I am right now it's just challenging myself you know to get out of certain comfort zones and um just continue to grow to be a better better me better woman all around I love it I love it and I think that leads into why we're having this discussion so Isis and I are social media friends and we have met on Facebook and and kind of enjoy a lot of the same stuff and often end up um chatting and posting about things that we both have an interest in and the other day you posted uh this and I want to read it directly so I don't mess it up right okay you literally posed a thought-provoking question and that was do black women ever get to be free yes so explain to me why you posed that question to begin with all right so this question was actually burst from a conversation that I was having with two friends and we were talking about, you know, posting certain things in particular. And, you know, we were just like, well, maybe we shouldn't say that or maybe we should, you know, cut that out. And immediately it dawned on me, you know, why should we have to cut this out or why should we have to do things a certain way? And it birthed that question, you know, do black women ever get to be free? Do we get to be our whole selves without restrictions and without judgment? And the two friends, you know, one responded, you know, in our dreams and one responded, um, I can't remember right now, but I have to find it. But, you know, the answers were saddened me because it made me realize, well, dang, what, what does it really feel like to move without restriction and without judgment and without constantly being on guard um, to what other people Real, you know, to what other people may think, you know, you, you want to say, oh, I'm free, I'm getting free, but are we really? So that's what posed that question. Yeah. And, and like, 
I guess my question would be, what is freedom? Um, and I, I originally asked that because I'm thinking, because I, I was looking at the responses that you got mm-hmm. as well. Tell me about some of the, some more of the responses. What kind of responses were you getting? And were there, was there a common theme or a commonality that you saw amongst them? It was, it was, it was a very interesting thread because there were responses off the bat of no, I got a lot of no's. I did get some yeses, um, very interesting responses. I think I had two black men and I'll go back and double check, but I had two black men respond and their answers were, you know, yes, you know, free, you know, one of them in particular asked, you know, free from what? And, you know, I had to sit with that because I was just like, you know, all these black women have immediately had an answer to it. And so it made me think about, well, what are the conversations or how do black men view it? Mm-hmm. Then I had to get out of that because I was like, it's not about them right now. Right. And so um, that was that was very interesting to me. I did have other black women who were like, you know, yes, it's all about how you choose to view it. It's all about how you choose to move. And so, yes, you, you can get free. There was there was a debate between black women not having the, you know, we can change our mindset all day long, but there are still structural barriers. There are still tangibles in place mm-hmm. that do cause us to have to continue to fight where we're, you know, we're not totally free and will we ever be free as long as these tangibles, you know, are in place. And so it was a, it was a great dialogue. And then, you know, I had a p- couple of people post emojis like, you know, what do you mean? And then I had people, I did have another black woman who asked, you know, in what way, you know, what does that mean? And so it was a very interesting dialogue. Um, the one, like I said, there was one that stuck out where uh, one responder stated, you know, not even with other black women. Mm. And that one was like, whoa, like, you you know, it exists. But to say, you know, for, for her to say it out loud, it's like, you know, absolutely, this is definitely a truth. So there's work to do within our circle, as well as work to do with getting others you know, to, to see what that, how they view it and how we view it as well. So I, I mean, I enjoyed the dialogue that was coming through and it was definitely got the wheels turning. And Mm -hmm. so it's, there's work, there's still work to be done after all these years. Um, my, I drafted her to a very seasoned licensed therapist gave the wisdom from an older black woman's perspective Mm -hmm. and how she, you know, how, yes, back in the past, as black women, we couldn't move a certain way. But even, you know, right now you have, you know, can't, she said, you know, I choose to be courageous. I choose to be bold. You know, she said, I choose to move how I want to move. And, I'm, you know, so with that perspective, it's does it come with age? Does it come with getting a little more seasoning? You know, so it did turn those questions as well. So it was a very, it was a great dialogue. So I'm very glad I posted that question because I even hesitated posting it. Wow. What I learned was we all interpret freedom in a different way. What I meant when I posted that was as black women, are we ever free to be our whole selves without restriction and judgments? Are we ever going to be at a point where I don't have to mentally exhaust myself with a task list of how someone will perceive me. And if the message that I'm trying to send 
will be received in a way that I want it to translate? Or will those certain barriers get in the way due to stereotypes, due to things such as sexism and racism? You know, will those things, you know, hold back, you know, will those things hold back? Um, but basically, do, you know, will we ever just get to be our whole selves without running that task list? So that's what I meant by by freedom, because as black women, we often have those conversations of, you know, I just want one day where I don't have to hold back because I'm going to be seen as the angry white. I mean, the angry black woman. Right. I want one day where. I'm seen as passionate and not aggressive. I want just one day where when I'm out with my children, people don't question if I'm married because, you know, I'm out by myself with three, with three kids. Mm -hmm. And then even as a single mom, I don't, you know, can I move without certain stereotypes that come because of the, the welfare queen picture that was built back in the eighties with, with Reagan. And so that's what I mean by, will we ever get to be there? Yeah. What barriers do you feel we're facing? And are they real barriers or are we still moving in a sense of, uh... well, let me say it like this. There's sometimes like, you know, when you're a kid and you have rules that you're not allowed to do because you're a kid and then you grow up and you still feel uncomfortable doing what you're free to do now. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's so ingrained in your mind. Are those barriers real barriers or is it just stuff that we have sort of programmed within us to anticipate? I think it's a little bit of both because we know we know sexism still exists. We know mm -hmm. racism is, still exists and we know economic barriers uh, still exist, which play into classism um, classism, socioeconomic status. And so those tangibles are, are very real and are very much at play. We know that they create, you know, they created a holiday where I don't know so much. I don't like to even call it a holiday. They created a day where they, in order to bring awareness, um, I forget the actual name of it, but it was I feel like it was either earlier this year or maybe in the latter part of last year. Mm -hmm. What was it? National Pay Black Women Day or something like that? The was you, it? Um, I know there is a day in which everyone acknowledges um, that women get paid so many cents to every dollar a man makes, and I think mm -hmm. I feel like maybe that same day a lot of black women decided to say, "Oh, you think that's bad? Look how much we're getting paid compared to that." Women standard is not all women. It is white women that we're sort of complaining about not getting paid, you know, for every dollar. Black women are getting even less and Latino women are getting even less, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so I think it is like the same, maybe around the same day, but I know what you're talking about. Every, every year that sort of comes up as a reminder that women are not paid as much as men and black women are not paid as much as anybody. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's definitely one, that's definitely one barrier that plays I don't want to say plays into, but that's a very tangible, you know, we know that we are paid less than white men. We know that we are paid less than white women. And so with those economic barriers, how are we able to move? Then you throw in, you know, you throw in children, um, which impacts, you know, a lot of us. Because when you look at certain occupations and you look at uh, certain industries, you know, we're very present and it becomes, you know, well, how do we climb the ladder? You know, how do we you know, get everybody on equal ground. Does everybody want us to be on equal ground? Um, because unfortunately, you know, there is sort of a caste system. And so 
that economic barrier is very real and we do have to continue to have the conversations in regards to black women, how we're paid. Um, we're one of the most educated groups <laughs> in the country. Right. Uh, those, those statistics come out time and time again, that we're one of the, the most educated groups. It's coming out more and more black women are some of the top entrepreneurs. And yet we still have this gap between our education, being entrepreneurs and, and pay. And so a part of me, and I still have to, you know, look this up as well. So hopefully I'm right. But a part of me feels like we're becoming more and more in entrepreneurship because we get to, you know, choose how we want to work. We get to choose how we're paid and we get to choose, you know, the levels. And that allows us to bring other women in and elevate them as well. Looking at economic barriers for black women, uh, definitely a tangible in in our freedom, uh, because we do know that, you know, in this country, money, money does equal movement. That's just, that's just real. Money equals, money equals movement. And you're able to move and flow a certain way when there's a particular income in your life. And so from economics, yes, let's get into sexism and racism. As black women, we know we face two, (laughs) we face two strikes. We are not only black, but we are women. And I know there are some who will go, well, no, my color doesn't really have. Yes, it does. (laughs) Right. Who is that? Candace Owens? (laughs) (laughs) Who child? Um, Her, and I think there was a, there's a pastor lady. um, I can't remember her name, but there was a video that was floating around Facebook. Oh, gosh. Please don't get me started on Priscilla Shire. Yes. Oh, gosh. You know, she stated that, you know, she's a Christian first and then a black, what was it, a black woman or, you know, and I don't want you to see a black woman when you look at me and I'm going. Girl. I, you know, and I got to go back and watch the video. Kinky curly wear. Yes. Yes. Because you can't, you, (laughs) and, and you should not have to extract the two. Thank you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, am I, you know. I am a black woman and I, and I do want you to see that. What I do want is for you to see it, enjoy it, believe in it and not be offended or racist towards it or feel some kind of way about it. That's, but pretending, I don't want you to see my color. That's, you should not have to literally like pretend I'm, I'm white to like me. Thank you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the fact that you would even, because I've never seen a white guy come up and say, hey guys, I'm not racist and I don't want y'all to see the white on me. Say it again. Say it louder for the people in the uh, seats on top of the stadium. I have never, ever, ever (laughs) seen a white man say, hey guys, don't see me as a man. I'm just like you women. Or, hey, I've never, I'm, I don't, I'm not racist. Don't see white man when you see me, just see a man. Like they don't ever have to do that in order to prove that they're just like us or to state that they accept or care about us or care about what we want to. So that, you know, me and Priscilla Shire, we've been fighting ever since. (laughs) She doesn't know we're fighting. You know what I'm saying? But I'll never get what, what's that movie? The movie where everybody, nope, nope, before that, because I hate War Room, Courageous. I've never seen it. I actually liked it, even though it's problematic. Now, I haven't watched it in a long time. I'd probably hate it again. But it's one of those <laughs> movies where it's it's those those same guys that are behind Courageous. It's the same. But so okay. they, um, it's like this whole thing where these men, it's a group of firefighters or police officers or some, some sort of first responder job. And they 
are uh, making, they go through a lot of different things, but they end up making vows to stand up for their families and stand up for the community and be men of God, right? They are courageous. They even have a little ceremony and sign little documents and all this stuff. And that's what the, the movie is all about. So they actually have books that they were selling that were based on the courageous movies and they were supposed to like give you tutorials, not tutorials, but devotions, right? Mm-hmm. Priscilla Shire wrote the one for women because they were split by gender. And the movie was mostly about men, so I wasn't too surprised that they did a for women version. Okay. Maybe we started reading through that book. And when she started talking about something about doing laundry for the glory of God, I put the book down and I quit the women's ministry that day. Because I was not A, I wasn't Wait man. a minute. I did wait, it. Wait, wait, roll. <laughs> Wait, roll, roll it, roll it back because you said doing laundry to the glory of God. So she, the book is like all about like upholding your home and all this stuff. And so she got to one point where she was like, oh, I don't always feel like doing this. I don't always feel like doing that. But I tell myself that when I do laundry and I pick up things after my husband, that is a part of doing things for the glory of God. Like I'm doing laundry for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. See, I, I got a real side eye right now. Right, and at the time, I was unmarried and real single and popping, and I felt like this is stupid. Like I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I dig it. I, <laughs> I wanted, you know, what if I don't have a bunch of laundry to do? What if I just want to learn how to be a better person? And like the whole thing was, it was very centered towards being a wife, but being a particular kind of wife. And, and if you know that's what? not you, like you're not in alignment with whatever version of home that they believe God wants you to have. And you actually, with that, with that story, uh, because yes, I have a lot of side eye right now, but you actually bring up another type of, I don't want to say it's a barrier, but more of a programming mm. that we receive as black women growing up in the church. You know, let's be very honest. Um, I know from my experience growing up churched, a lot of the messages that I received were to be a Proverbs, you know, 31, 31. woman yep. to be, um, nothing was taught to me, excuse me. Nothing was ever taught to me on how just to be, how can I put this? Everything was centered around what it takes to become a wife, what it takes to be, what it takes for a man to want to choose you. Mm-hmm. And like I was in rites of passage ministry and, you know, I, I, I'm surprised they didn't bring the purity culture, uh, pinky promise, you know, to my church. Or I, but I do remember friends telling me they had taken the pinky promise and wearing the, you know, the promise ring and things of that nature. And, but I remember a lot of that teaching. And so what I always felt and what I, I was very conflicted with in my, in my twenties was, does my body belong to me? You know, do I belong to myself? you know, or do I have to do everything that I was taught growing up in church? Mm. And how come this, how come all of this is put on me? And what I started to realize in my twenties, as I began to ask different questions, but how come the men are never blasted? How (laughs) come the men, you know, how come young boys are, are, I don't hear about them having these same lessons that the girls are having. And I even remember being in church one time and the pastor telling the women, you know, leave the single men alone that come into the church, you know, talking about how some of the single men don't even want to come back because of how, you know, the women hover. But I'm just like, but, but yet that- you're not telling the men to back off and get out of inboxes. And yeah. I never heard chastisement 
towards them. And so I will, I won't call it necessarily a barrier, but I will say the programming that we're taught as black women, um, church, whether you're Southern Baptist, Kojic, you know, whatever the denomination you grew up in, those messages carry a lot of weight, especially if you grew up in the South, because we know the church is your end all be all. And well, it's the center hub for community and and up until recently for the black community in general, even from slavery, it was the only place we could really gather consistently for free. Right. (laughs) So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No matter what denomination or or, and and to be honest, that's one of the reasons I still enjoy church is the community aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the blessing of the community can also be a, a curse in terms of groupthink. Or yes. a theology that keeps some people oppressed and repressed, but this is where all your friends and all your family and all your networking is. So where can you go? Where can you go? And you're absolutely right. The community aspect is one thing that I do still enjoy. Now I've I'm kind of on sabbatical because I I joined like a girl. The world's on sabbatical. You don't got to. The world's bad. on sabbatical. No, no, no. This, <laughs> honey, this, this is before COVID should have. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, we, we all on a break from church right um, now. You know, we got, the humans got put in time out. You we know, are. Uh, Mother Earth, Mother God, just fed up with all of us and said, y'all just going to go to time out. Everybody go to time out. We all sit y'all. in the corner, honey, just staring right. at the wall. Mother, Mother Earth is sick of us and you see it in nature, like the birds be trolling us, like we free, y'all not, ha ha. And so... You know, Mother Earth got fed up and we are all in time out. Right. Pre, Pre-COVID, um, I've been a member of a multicultural church, I'll put it that way. And the community aspect, you know, I definitely love. I would still go back and visit my home church. But what I noticed was, the, you know, just some of the messages just did not sit with me like they did, you know, growing up. And I think it's because I have started asking questions, started being around people who challenged a lot of that theology um, and getting to know black women who are doing, you know, certain works that ask certain questions and that highlight women um, in a positive way, especially black women. And so I'm grateful for these women, you know, that are doing this work and that are telling black women, Hey, it's okay to walk in this path or it's okay to ask these questions and it's okay to not, hold on to certain things that you were taught like it's okay you know you you won't damn yourself to hell or um you know sis get free um you know break free of you know whatever it is that you feel is holding you back and I absolutely love to see black women you know finding their freedom in certain paths um in that aspect of you know spirituality religion um so that definitely I believe plays a part in how we look at our freedom Um, I think I'm always surprised at how, as Black women, we're asked to put our race before our gender. Oh, boy. We saw a lot of that. We heard a lot of that. Was that, what year was that? Some election. 2016? I think, yes. When it was sort of like, were you going, you know, is it support the women or support the Black man? And it was like... Is there another choice? <laughs> because yes. how can you pit two sides of myself against each other? Ask the question. And I, 
That one, and that one always bothers me. That's one, and I will say that that is a barrier because you're talking about, you're talking about where we have to deal with race, not only racism, but we have to deal with sexism. Mm -hmm. And those impact, and we already know this, those impact our lives greatly. Those, that impacts how we move. That impacts how we try to move up the ladder, whatever jobs, whatever careers you have, you know, those do impact us and they do impact our, you know, our livelihoods. And so, that one always bothers me because I can't choose. I'm bo- I'm both. I'm both black and I'm both a woman and I have to deal with what comes with that, you know? And I I wish I don't know, do you think there'll ever be a way to get others to understand that like I can't choose. <laughs> I, I I have both. <laughs> um I think it is I think it is easier for people who have what I would call a double oppression to understand it. Like if a person is both, um, you know, maybe physically uh, impaired and has a minority issue, they get it, even if they're not also woman. And they get the idea of two things being a factor. Uh, I think our LGBT brothers may understand it a little bit more because they understand being uh, not straight and being black. Yes. Um, So I think it's almost like you have to have a double thing to get it. If you just have one thing, I think maybe that is the struggle. Okay. That's, and that's along, you know, kind of like an alignment where I am, but when we're, you know, when black men are asking us, well, you know, you're black. Yeah, but I'm still a woman. <laughs> and it's not even just like you're black. It's also like, Hey, protect this black man over protecting yourself. Like that's when I see it the most when it's like, Oh, so-and-so is, you know, an abuser. Oh, you going to call the cops on that man? The cops don't shoot him, but he might shoot me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like that's yes. uh, you should not expect me to protect him over protecting my own well being. Like that's not that's not cool. How how? <laughs> you know? And and even recently, um, with R. Kelly, you know, there's still uh people who, you know, y'all should not know black women, black girls deserve the same amount of protection mm-hmm. as women of color, because I, I do not include black women and women of color, you're going to say black women. And, you know, as much as Caucasian girls, and uh, no, they just, des- we deserve that same protection. And as you just stated, I'm not going to put your well-being over mine. No, if he harmed black girls, he deserves the punishment that comes with that. Right. And so be it. And I think I got, you know, I did get very disappointed, you know, because something came across my newsfeed the other day where somebody posted an R. Kelly song. And I was like, really? Really? What Mm -hmm. disappointed me more than anybody was seeing other black women be like, those girls were fast. Where were their mothers? Where was this? You know, finding excuses for his bad behavior versus... Mm -hmm protecting these children who may have had unstable families or stupid parents you know you can judge that you can say listen that's dumb i wouldn't let my child go hang out at that person's house but at the same time the child had a bunch of grown people making bad decisions around them right so why not protect Mm -hmm. that child so that leads me into you said one of the um comments that you got was that even black women are not free to be free with each other Mm-hmm. What do you think leads to that? That was the one thing I commented. Like a lot of us feel like we the gatekeepers. We are the standard bearers. What do you think leads to that? You did. And when you when you made that response to, you know, to that person's uh, answer, 
it hit me because it was like, wow. You know, we, we always talk about how white women gatekeep, you know, their privileges with white men and um, upholding certain standards of patriarchy. But in a way, as black women, there are some of us who do gatekeep for the harm, you know, the harmful um, behaviors that are perpetrated by, you know, black men. And there's a part of me historically, I believe a lot of it is historical Mm-hmm. Because of how because of how black men have been treated um, in this country, how they have, you know, because of the numbers, you know, jail statistics, um, the killings, police brutality. And then, you know, I think with a lot of our older women um, with that particular generation, it, it's what I noticed with older black women is how they hover and huddle around black boys growing up because I even saw it. When I was coming up and all of us, my cousins, all of us would be at the house. And my grandmother would pretty much allow the boys that could get up late. They didn't have to clean up. They didn't have to do the same things that us girls, you know, we had to be up. We had to be cleaning. We had to do a whole lot more. And even then I started to question, well, how come she allows them to do this? Right. But, she, but she's a lot tougher on the girls. And so when you made that comment... I started thinking, gener- you know, generational, and then how is how how that's passed down, mm-hmm. and how it's been more of our generation um, to say, "Hey, that's not okay." Yeah, y'all, we, we need to hold them accountable for these harmful behaviors, and we're not we're not going to allow this, you know, any longer. And there is a lot of pushback sometimes from from the older population. I'll say maybe fifty plus. Mm-hmm. No. 55, I'll say 55 plus, because I think it is that because of what happened in the past, you know, we have to protect them. We have to keep them. And it's like, but hey, we're out here being harmed too. Oh, but y'all, black women are, I think it's the state. Okay. We're then we stronger. Get into the we're stronger. Yeah. Um, and there's this, there's this saying, and I'm pretty sure you've heard this proverb. <laughs> black boys are love. What is it? Black boys are love. You say mothers girls love their sons and sons raise their daughters. Raise their daughters. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that, as we can see now, the fruits that have come from that particular proverb, <laughs> it hasn't been a healthy choice. That's how I can put that. We can see that some of those, because of that particular proverb, we now see the fruits of it and it's going, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> We, we may have needed to raise these boys, too, and held them accountable. What I am loving are the group of Black men saying, hey, this is not okay. You're not going to continue these harmful behaviors. I am going to be this Black man who holds you accountable and who calls you out. Yeah. And, if you, and if you don't like it, then you need to do something about it. And so I do love that it's other that other black men are beginning to step up because as black women, we should not have to do that work. We we have enough on our plate. And I notice a lot of times it's us that, you know, we're at the front lines, we're doing the work to help um to help black men do their work. Yeah. But at some point and, and that's to be honest, that's not fair to us. That's another <laughs> that's another type of barrier, I will say, is that we the emotional women, labor, emotional, the labor. emotional labor. Mm-hmm. We thank you. We do so much in helping to free other people mm. that we we don't look out for ourselves. 
So that's another part of our free of our barrier to freedom. We don't, you know what? As we know how to talking. Mm-hmm. I was thinking mm-hmm. of, you know, I always say we're all connected. As we're as we're talking, this is going through my brain. When I was in college and I took my little women's studies and women in communications classes, I'll never forget my professor, uh, a wonderful woman, woman, wonderful white woman. I forget her name, but I remember she always said if she had a movie, she wanted Queen Latifah to play her. And we kept looking at her like, "Girl, do you know what you look like?" She's a great person. <laughs> Great person, right? Okay. Um, okay. But she always says, if you listen to people talk about what a, you know, if somebody says I was raped, most of the time it's other women that are like, what'd you have on? Where'd you go? I don't go to that place, blah, blah, blah. And she mm-hmm. said, that's not always judgment. Sometimes that's us checking to make sure we're safe. Like, I like that. I'm running a tally of all the things you've done so I don't do it. Or I can say, oh, I don't go there. I'm all right. Right. And so I'm wondering, and this came to my mind as we were talking about black women, sometimes gatekeeping each other. If that's a part of it, if we're thinking, sis, don't wear that outfit, because if if you know, if they think they can rape you, maybe they think they can rape me or don't get on the Internet and say this, that and the other, because if you don't get that job, I won't get that job. Like if that is part of it, that unhealthy feeling of we're all one. Do you know what I'm saying? More so than then we realize if that's the underlying current, like you represent me when you go everywhere and you wear this and you have a bonnet on and you have like, I need you to be in line so we can all achieve. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, let's, let's talk about the running. We laugh about it in our community, but how, you know, in the workplace, you know, let's, let's take it for example, in the workplace where, Somebody, you know, doesn't call you by your name and they'll be like, oh, well, you look like so-and-so. No, we don't all look alike. I don't look like we, that person. No. I don't look like, no, we're black, but we don't look alike. Right. And, and so I do think that uh, we're definitely all connected. And I do think that there has been a group think in the community of when you go out, you do represent all of us, which makes us, again, <laughs> how do you, you know. And, you can't get free if we're all part of a group. Well, and you just said what I was trying to uh, articulate. Yeah, you and can't so, be a free bird if you're thinking, okay, I want to go paint my hair purple and and be cool with it. But the truth is, if I do that, every woman in the office that's a sister is looking at me like, oh, geez. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's all well, of th- us. Okay, do you watch Insecure? I do. Okay, yes, the, the girl. First, yes, I yes, do. Yes, the first season. <laughs> And she was telling, she was in the office and, you know, she was telling people to call her Dada. And, and I felt you know, an immense sense of secondary shame watching it. And I'm not, it, yeah. Okay. I struggled with that as well. And I think if we posed that question, I'm kind of wondering what the responses would be, you know, and at first Molly was minding her business. And then, you know, the coworker came in and was like, Hey, we need you to talk to Dada. And Tony, you know, I, I want to call her Tony Child so bad. Molly. <laughs> Baby Tony. Baby Tony, because she does. She reminds me of Tony Child. You know, and Molly was like, hey, that's something you should do. Um, You're the boss. You're the one uncomfortable with her. So why don't you address what what it is? Exactly. And so in that, you know, in that particular instance, when Molly did have to do it, it did make me ask those questions. You know, when I do go to, okay, I'll be very honest. When I go to a grocery store in the black part of town and I see the mom with the bonnet on, do I care or am I cringing? Because now I'm wondering if this is how everyone is going to see us in the workplace. You know, do I need to dress up more? Because I do mm-hmm. see 
you know, this other black woman who's, you know, to the T and very fashionable. But then I also have to think about her job looks a little different than mine. She not lifting boxes like I have to lift. Right. And so it is that constant. And then you have to ask yourself if you Mm -hmm. saw, because, you know, remember back when everybody had those pink roller sets? Yes. It was very common to see women, particularly white women, running errands with big rollers in their hair out in public at that point, which is, in my mind, the equivalent of wearing a bonnet in public, right? But no one said those women are of low caliber. They're ghetto. They're ratchet. They don't have any home training. They were women that just needed to have their hair set for somewhere better they were going later on. Absolutely. And so it makes me, you know, it does make me wonder, do we do we put more pressure on ourselves, you know, than necessary? And if so, how, as you stated, it goes back to how do you get free when you're in a group think? And that that right there is such a huge barrier. And, you know, the the what is it? I stopped saying black excellence because I feel like when we say that, it kind of goes to the talented 10th and the more proximity we have to what's approved in whiteness Mm -hmm. you know we look at as black excellence and it's like yeah that's probably not that's that's not it we probably need to kind of review that whole black excellence thing right and so it you know for instance uh when the houston it, it was that big deal in houston where the mom went to register her daughter she had on the bonnet she went in she had on like a t-shirt dress or something and the principal was like hey when I'm the putting school in a dr- the school yeah and that was a black woman principal wasn't it that yes it was a black woman principal and we were all like wait you know why does it matter um is she the the i wonder if the backlash would have been different if it had been a a, a white man, a white male principal, white woman principal, or any anyone else but a black woman principal. I wonder what the commentary would have been in in that space. I think it still would have been bad, but I think it would have been more about just overt racism versus the classism that started to appear once we realized it was a fellow black woman. The conversation gotcha. kind of shifted to one of of basically bougie Negroes versus. <laughs> versus racism (laughs) and you okay and let's okay we talked about i think i talked about the economic barriers we've talked about sexism we've talked about the racism but we always leave classism out of these conversations Mm. and classism it's all it's always left out but if we're honest and which i am trying to be in my as i get older and very transparent and authentic classism does play a huge part in us getting free because let's be honest, you're out in public and you see someone talking loud on their cell phone. Right. And let's say you're the only two black people in the store, especially the only two black women. Oh, yes. You start, you know, even though you don't want to admit it, there's a part of you that starts to cringe up and like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. That is, you know? oh, girl. Uh, you know, the, worst <laughs> was, the worst has been in the nail salon for me. Like, just... This feeling of it's not all of us. See how I come here every two weeks and I'm nice. Like you just feel like you need to like defend all of the culture because of that one. And you're running, as I stated earlier, we're running that task list, um, that checkoff list in our head. You know, do I look a certain way? Am I, you know, am I presentable when I go out? You know, do I make sure that they know I'm one of the, I'm one of the good ones. I'm one of the good Negroes. Right. Um, 
I'm one of the ones that, you know, I, I know how to act. Well, what does right. that even mean? What does that even mean? What does right. it mean to know how to act? And, you know, let's be honest, you know, it, you, you've had the mom or the grandmother or even the grandfather who would tell you, we don't act like those type of black people. Yeah. And it goes you know, back to that Chris Rock. Remember that Chris Rock? I love black people, but I hate N words thing. Yes. A lot of us, and you know, that's probably a more gauche joke to tell now, but it is a thing that some people have, black people have felt like, hey, when we all get together, don't go out there embarrassing us. Yes. You know what I mean? Please don't embarrass us. You know, we all a team when we go places, whether we want to be or not. Yes. Yes. It's like when you got ready to leave a house to go to a cookout or something with your mama and the first thing she would tell you, don't embarrass me. Don't, don't touch me. nothing. Don't embarrass me. Don't break nothing. Don't, you know, yeah. having that mindset that, you know, it's fine for kids. But a lot of us, particularly as black women, we have that collective mindset with every place that we go. Every, and it's, and it is mentally exhausting. I am mentally exhausted by the time I get home some days because there's, um there's a group that I'm in. And one of the things that, I love that I've heard from a friend of mine is, you know, we teach people how to treat us. And mm. so one of the things that I have to do a lot in my, in my job that I'm doing now, um, cause I'm still working on going into practice. But one of the things that I have to do in my job right now is I've had to teach people how to treat me, um, of lately because I used to be a work mule. And if mm. a lot of black women are honest, we're, we're work, yep. we're work mules. And I've had to learn how to say no. I've had to learn how to delegate. Um, I've had to learn to, in a professional way, tell people, hey, we're, we're on the same level. You're not above me. You know, we're, you're not my boss. Right. Uh, because that's something that I do notice in the workplace where certain people think that they're your boss. And it's like, no. And so I've had to come out of that mentality of in order to prove myself a, a good person and, you know, maybe to be seen as, as valuable, um, especially as a black woman in the workplace. Right. Um, you know, I, I can do this. I can do that. I can fetch this. And it's no, no, absolutely not. Don't you, you, you wear yourself out and, you know, do I push back enough or do I hold because I don't want to be seen as, as angry. Um, I don't mm. want someone to go cry white women tears and then I end up in or trouble. to falsely accuse you of being lazy as soon as you exactly. I was always afraid of being considered lazy if I didn't do everything immediately yes yes, yes. and you know then you get into um, you know we don't talk about this a lot but there are caricatures of us you deal with the the mammy you deal with mm. sapphire and you deal with jezebel and so a lot of times it's how do i break out of that you know and that's why i ask that question if i'm consistently running a task list if i consistently have to think about everything that i do after i do it am i truly free and you know a couple of my younger friends that responded on the post was like you know you just got to get to a place where you don't give a f but is is that is that realistic? Is that well, reality? And and you know what? And I think part of this, when I read your question, it took me back to childhood. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, because mm-hmm. when you say, when do we get to be free? Most of the time you think of a carefree childhood. That's always how we describe it. We want our children to stay innocent and carefree for as long as possible. 
And I literally had to ask myself, have I ever felt carefree? <sighs> like in that way that you want your children to. And I have to be honest, no. I have never felt carefree, even in my childlike point of my even as a child I don't have any recollection of truly not having to be aware of my surroundings how and do that's... you unlearn something that literally starts as soon as you're born and you're going to daycare and you're maybe the only little black girl at that school or you're at a school where there's a lot of black people but you got to think about how you sit because of boys and you're only five or you know all those sorts of things how do you unlearn how do you unlearn and you just I mean you brought up a great point because we often say, oh, we want our black girls to be carefree. We want our black girls to be carefree, but it's not realistic. And one of the, the, the um, later on in the post, you'll see where I said, even in childhood, I was taught more what I couldn't do mm-hmm. more than what I could do. I'm, I'm just now learning as a 38 year old woman. It, honestly, it hasn't been until my thirties, my late thirties that I'm learning what I am, what I can do and given myself permission to do. Because as you stated, even in childhood, um, you can't sit a certain way. Why are you dancing a certain way? Oh, you know, they're going to call you a fast tail heifer. I oh, remember you're, you're, yeah. going, you know, I grew up in Florida. Every It's hot. God, it's like yes. Satan's underbit, right? Like it's, it's <laughs> right. hot, right? And yeah. I remember being a kid and there's always like a water fountain or some sort of display where children literally show up in their swimsuits to just run through the water. And I remember going to zoos and going places and it's like, you better not get in that water. Right. And partially it's about your hair because your mama does not want to redo and wash and press your hair. Does not. It is also the part where you realize there are no other little black girls running through this water. It is nothing but white children and boys who are free to roam. And you see nothing but little black girls. In short sense, they didn't get to bring a swimsuit, right? Right. Just standing off to the side, like, I'm not allowed to do this. And so it's like, is it partially the practicality of the hair at that time, which I don't have that issue anymore, but is it also partially, because my hair is natural, I can just, you know, water is its friend, right? But yes. also the the expectation of your mom saying, if I let you do this, the other moms are going to look at me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's how much of it is... It's so much of a burden that I don't remember running through a fountain ever in my childhood. And the irony is now as an adult, I take my godchildren to run through fountains all the time. And I had to ask myself, why am I always like running through fountains as a grown woman? Because you didn't get to do that when you were a kid. You didn't get to do that when you were a little, you, you didn't get to do it. You didn't get to, you know, think about how we're told, you know, as we get older and we start to develop and, you know, oh, you got that little box. I was always told you got that little box tail booty. And so you know, even then, as a young girl, I'm aware of thighs, what I'm thighs wearing. changing. You can't yes. wear the same thing that the other girls are wearing because mm-hmm. your body is developing in a way that other people can't handle. Right. And then if you think about it, where it's put on us from an early age to control how men view us. Mm. If I'm five years old and somebody's looking at me, I'm going to need you to get him. I'm five. Yeah. That's, and so we... We are, it's, and it's so, it's sad to think about that. We don't even really get to have a childhood because as you stated from the get go, we are taught how to move and how to, how to don't. And I'm going to say how to don't, we don't, we're not told how to, (laughs) we're told how to don't. Um, And then we grow up to be women who 
try to figure these things out. And then it gets to a point in our lives. We're like, okay, I've, I've known, I've known how to don't all my life. Mm. I need someone to teach me how to do. Right. And then even in growing up, we meet the women who dare to challenge, you know, that I don't want to say status quo, who dare to challenge that thinking and say, no, I'm a, I'm going to do me. I just feel like so many other people have their hand in black women's lives and getting Mm. to say how we move, how we should act, how we should behave. You know, so many other people hold the puppet strings at what point and how do we cut, you know, cut that. And even when we think we've cut it, have we really, if I'm still running this again, if I'm still running this list in my head and if I'm still facing structural uh, barriers that are are alive and well. Am I really free? So, Do as I- a therapist, right, mm-hmm. and as someone who is doing this research and studying, what advice would you give to someone who is thinking, "I would like more freedom, more autonomy"? What steps can a person really take within themselves? Who <laughs> uh, <laughs> was that? Was that loaded? Was that real loaded? That's- no, that's a great question. That's a great question. And you said a very important word that I uh, that I should have been using, but forgot autonomy. And that's one of the first things we're taught, you know, as therapists is to always remember your clients have autonomy. You cannot, you are not a hero. You cannot force someone to do the work that they are not ready to do. Um, you always have autonomy. And so the first thing that I would suggest is don't be, a, is ask the questions. I, I would say that's the first thing that that can come along that path is is to start to ask the questions start questioning things if it doesn't sit right with you start to question it um the second thing i would suggest is to start getting around people who are starting who may think like you uh part of getting out of group think is to surround yourself and expose yourself to different uh types of networks different types of um I can't think of the word. How can I put it? You have to get outside of, a, of the circle that you've been in for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's the best. That's the best way that I know how to put it. A lot of times people are scared because they've been in a comfort zone for so long. Mm. But in order not to be stagnant, you have to challenge yourself and you have to get uncomfortable. Mm. And it's hard. It's hard. But that is where growth comes in. And so I would challenge you to get around those people you know, who do say the things that you may want to say, but you're not bold enough or brave enough at the time. Um, I know that that's been something that's helped me and it was very uncomfortable at first, but it also caused me to dig a little deeper. It also caused me to do the work and say, okay, why was I thinking that way? Why did I think that was right? And the answers that came with that, you know, there was a lot of revelation to it, and it it helps me in owning a lot of stuff that needed to change within me and to, and to be a better person. Mm. And so, definitely don't don't be afraid to make new friends. <laughs> right? Don't yes, be new friends. To, don't listen to Drake. Yes, new friends. Yes, new friends. Yes, new friends. Because you never know who you're going to meet, and even if it's and one thing I will encourage is even if it's offline or online, you know, digital connections mean something. I am doing Mm -hmm. this podcast because I met Shannon through a group and we have a digital connection. Yeah. And so 
you know, don't be afraid to reach out in some of these um, online groups, be it Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook. Uh, do not be afraid to explore, you know, those different channels. You know, they're out there for a reason. And so know what you can handle and, um, you know, go forward. Um, book recommendations, I would definitely explore, you know, different authors, different self-help books. I love a lot of Brene Brown, um, oh, Don McGill. Oh, and she started and she's uh, started her own podcast oh, and different yeah. things like that. Um, I love her TED talk, you know, on vulnerability. And so I would definitely encourage um, I've been told to read All About Love by Bell Hooks. And so I'm trying to dive into more feminist works um, because that's something I really wasn't introduced to until later on in life. Um, so I wish that would have been introduced to me earlier. I think I took maybe one or two uh, gender studies classes while I was mm-hmm. in college. But a lot of that was towards work that white women did, white women yeah, authors. Yeah, I, I'm just learning now. And I, I, I feel <laughs> I feel like I got the short end of the stick. But I'm just now discovering and learning through Digital Connections, all of these black women authors and feminists. And I'm just like, where was this in my 20s? Yeah. I realized <laughs> so, that when I was in I, I was in college and I took a women's studies <laughs> class and I, I really thought it was not for me. And mm-hmm. I think because freedom for a black woman is going to be different demands than freedom for a woman that has been privileged all of their lives. You know what I mean? Like they were literally like, women need to work. And I'm sitting there like, my grandma never went without work until she retired. My grandma wanted the right to sit down. Thank you. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so it doesn't look the same. It's not going to feel the same. Um, And so sometimes it is hard when we're talking about this idea of, of being free when you're talking to particularly black women, older black women, and even black men, sometimes it's hard to translate it to them. What do you think, how do we help out our friends and loved ones and men and and, you know, other women that are like, what y'all talking about being free for? Y'all fine. Y'all can do what you want to. <laughs> what advice do we have for that? Because that was like one of the guys was like, what y'all free from what? <laughs> yes. Well, actually, actually, one man did answer. He said yes. And I asked him to elaborate. And all he said was just know that you're free when you choose to be. And I'm still kind of sitting confused because I'm like. What What does does that that mean? mean? And I wanted him to explain from his lens as a black man. Well, what do elaborate from your lens? Because I don't get it. And so he, it was, it was still kind of a vague answer for our peer, you know, for those that you just mentioned, um, our elders, for the men, um, for those not in the race, I think we just have to keep having these conversations to be honest. That's all I can think of at this point. Um, And I don't, I think some people are just not, I have to sit with the fact that there are some people who are not going to accept the conversation Mm. who, who don't want to think about it. Um, Because if I have to acknowledge it, then that means that I have to think about how I play a part in Mm. you're not being free. And so I would rather ignore it than to think of myself as part of the problem. Because if, if I don't think of myself as part of the problem, then I don't have to do certain works and confront certain things that I just want to stay away from. Right. I don't have to do the work. Right. It's, I don't have to unfurl my life. Boom. If I, if I, because if part of your life is being, 
advantaged by the lack of freedom someone else has, right? You know, well, if 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 I'm allowed to date this person because she doesn't feel like she has the right to date somebody else or if I'm allowed to have this job because this sister don't feel safe enough to even apply for a higher position then what well, I'm gonna say something you know why would and, I why would I care my life's fine and, and there and that's that's very important and it it really hurts to think about it but there are some people who don't want to see us free because as um some per- somebody did say that in the comments that our freedom really is, you know, it, it could be detrimental to how others live their lives. So there are others who have gotten ahead and thrived because there are some of us who are just like, I don't know how to move or do I even want to move? You know, I don't know what that looks like for me to be free. And so I think if we as black women truly, truly, you know, cut those puppet strings and, and got rid of the task list and really moved in the ways that we know we can, I think it would disrupt a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I think it would flip a lot on its head within our communities, outside of our communities. I, I, I think it would flip because, okay, let's, okay. Case in point. Mm-hmm. I consider, I consider her a woman of color. When Cardi B emerged on the scene, yeah. Cardi did, Cardi did not change one lick of how she she moves. She is still her loud, honest, brutal self. Has fun. She is still the same Cardi B she right. was. Very sexual, she was, but also very sex- uh, mm-hmm. weirdly smart when it comes to politics and history. Like oh, I've, like she's a, a a little like vault of politics knowledge. <laughs> it's great. Absolutely. And she, and she'll tell you, you know, history, she was like, history was my favorite subject in school. Yeah. She studies, um, I think on an interview, she said she studied Franklin D. Roosevelt. And so what I'm watching with that is how people are having a hard time with this woman who at one point was a stripper is sexually free is, you know, uses words that may be uncouth to some other people and how it's so hard for people to wrap their brains around just how free she is. And if you look at this line of new women rappers coming up, they're owning their sexuality. They're playing the game the way that men have played it for so long. Mm -hmm. And they are upset. There are people, there are men who are upset because they can no longer control this narrative. Right. um, Of, of women talking about their sexuality in a way that is like, you should please me. Not exactly. not me saying I'm chasing after you and your buddy. It's like, yeah, give me the money, but also, what are you doing for me? Absolutely. Like that Absolutely. rhetoric, people don't, you know, they're having a hard time accepting it publicly. But it's not a- new. That's what blows my mind. Just as a music fan, when you listen to, you know, the other day I clearly missed my family and got into a a, a mood of listening to like backyard Southern soul, um, and so. <laughs> I'm just at my house on the patio alone, drinking by myself, listening to like Coco Taylor. And oh yes, <laughs> oh Coco, you Woo! know, and, and and our Millie Jacksons and all these women oh. that have been laying it out as black women and are considered extremely like when you listen to that stuff, they talking about some stuff. They 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 more raunchy than what you hear Way today. Way raunchier. Somebody on Twitter posted a song that was from like 1933. That's the year my grandparents were born. 
And, the, and that song was so vulgar. I played it for my husband just to scare him. He was like, turn this off. My ears. <laughs> he was like, what? He said, whose grandma was talking this dirty? I am a, oh my God. He was so grieved by how dirty. It was, it's a song called Till the Cows Come Home. I can't remember who the singer is. I think I listened to that. Yes. Um, this lady is like, first of all, how long do cows stay out? I, you know, that's the question, you know, <laughs> that we need to ask. But I said that, I said, you know, when you think about, think about Justine Baker. And Lucille Bogan. Here, I'm sorry. This you, is, yeah. I just wanted to say, Till the Cows Come Home by Lucille Bogan. Now don't play around no children or nobody that's real no. saved. Because I've can, grown and, and, and literally my husband's eyes bugged out of his face. So just. <laughs> <laughs> I sat and I said, how? I said, now our elders cannot judge us or our music. Cannot. I said, y'all, I said, y'all had songs like, um, if you, what was it? What's her name? I think it was Coco Taylor. Is it Coco? It's, you know, if you can't please me or if you can't stand up in it. Stand up in it. Stand up in it. And I was like, <laughs> but y'all talk about us. And, you know, and I hate that it gets I hate that it's not talked about or it tries to be, you know, watered down and how the narrative has been, you know, we've been controlled with that for so long. And to see the pushback and the resistance of us starting to be not, how can I put it, of us starting to be our whole selves and not and be like, you know what, it is what it is. I think the pushback, the pushback is like, wow, does it scare you that much? for black women to start to step into this freedom or continue this freedom, you know, why does this, and my question is, why does it scare you? Why does that scare you? And I'm going to tell you something that really hit me. Mm. Um, Whitney, Whitney Houston is, is my fave singer of all time, always. Um. And after her, after her death, I started collecting, you know, more magazines with, you know, her, all the tributes and things of that nature. And in one of the sections, it talked about how, she was so under the thumb of others where, mm. you know, she wanted to do her own songs or she wanted, you know, to be true to herself. And the source was saying, you know, she was told you can't act like that. You know, Madonna can do those things, but you can't. What is, you know, why, what, what is that? You know, I wonder what that did to her spirit. Like, I have to go out here and put on a mask, as most of us as black women do. I have to go out here. I have to put on a mask. I have to act and be a certain way. But this particular singer gets to be on stage. She gets to release these erotic videos and all this other stuff. But I, I have to play this this good princess, pop princess part. Right. And And that just hurt me to my core because... You know, we're well, now learning. Part of that, part of that is learned behavior because if you yes. watch, did you watch the the Whitney Houston doc on? I saw it on Hulu. I forget. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the theater to see it. Yes. I, I did. Learning more about even Sissy's life is yes. that Sissy lived a life in which she hid a lot of the unflattering parts of herself from other people yes. and from Whitney. There was an yes. obsession with what things looked like, and so that. Is almost an inherited thing. And you know what? When I watched the Clock Sisters movie, Twinkie's life oh my gosh. And, and, and Whitney's, in its own way, reminded me of each other because both of them had lives in which they were used 
by everybody but themselves. Yes. Do you know what I'm yes. saying? Like this idea of you have the talent and we're all going to ride on your coattails, but also we need you to be this way, behave this way, look this way, be here, be there. And everything you do is not just for me, it's for God, right? Like oh uh, the, God. The, the idea that mom and her voice is the stand in for God. Yes. And so these are people who didn't ever get to hear their own voice speak to them. And that breaks my heart, you know, watching that movie and watching, you know, Twinkie story and how when she said, you know, I don't know the, the difference. difference. Yep. That hit, I was like. That hit me like a ton of bricks. And it, and again, another topic for another podcast, you know, the relationships between black women and their mothers. Listen. Um, because I, I read, you know, I read Sissy's book that she wrote, The Night the, Night the Lights Went Out, and how she talked about her mother dying at an early age. And so she was never mothered. And I think a part of that played into now we see where she shared, you know, now we know Whitney probably was never really, you know, like you said, certain parts were hidden and, you know, so what part of that was passed down. And so, you know, like you, like we stated, you know, what, what does that look like? And that just, when I read that in that magazine that day, it came back up, you know, as I was preparing for the podcast and I just thought about that. All your life, you're told, again, what I can't do mm. more than what I can do. And how in the world, which leads to that question, how do I get free if I've got to constantly run this checkoff list? When do when do I get rid of the checkoff list? Mm. And then how do I how do I know that I'm really, really free out here? Whew. Do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, let's see. Uh, I think like I stated earlier. I think the best advice I can give you is to start branching out and start surrounding yourself with other women who are doing the work to get free. And I mean, and I don't mean that as in they're doing it to look good in front of others. No, they are really out here doing the ugly work that it takes to get free. They're owning their stories. They're sharing their stories um, and I mean that in a very authentic and, and transparent way. Mm -hmm. um, ask the tough questions. Have conversations with your elders and with your mothers. I think mm. we don't do. I think we don't do that enough. And I, I, I've been doing that lately. And I was actually surprised at some of the dialogue that I've had with my own mother and with my own grandmother, and how their lives may have been different if they if they would have been allowed to even think. Yeah. Uh, living their lives for themselves and what that what that meant. Mm. Um, so you know, have those have those hard conversations. Be okay with being uncomfortable because it is mm. going it is uncomfortable to be in this space. But if we are ever going to cut those puppet strings and stop running the task list mm. to ever stop coming home mentally exhausted, we have to do the hard work. And so, there, you know, it may be therapy, it may be reading a Bell Hooks book, it may be, um, you know, and don't be, and, and, and that's my other thing as well. Don't be afraid, I said earlier, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions, but don't be afraid to ask questions, period, because a lot of us are being introduced to things now mm. in our lives. As I stated earlier, I didn't know anything about a Bell Hooks or an Audrey Lord until I started hanging around a particular group of women. And I used to be embarrassed to say that, but I had to realize that that was just, I wasn't introduced to those works um, 
growing up, I knew Nikki Giovanni, I knew Maya Angelou, um, cause those are some of my mother's favorites, you know, but right. other beyond that, you know, I, I knew nothing, Angela Davis, my mother's favorite, but I've not really read her works. So other than those women, that's really all I knew. So, you know, I'm at an age learning about Bill Hooks and Audre Lorde and all these works by black feminists. Um, there's a new book called Hood Fem- Feminism. I can't think of the author, but I've, that's been rec- that Brittany, recommended to me. As- is that Brittany Cooper? I'll Google it. Keep going. And I'll put the okay, link in you, the description box. And, and you just you just said it. Um, use your social media to your advantage. Start to connect with uh, some of these authors that I mentioned. They do have social media pages. Um Start to curate your social media um, to people who are thinking like you or have the questions that you have. Um, look for the group. So, you know, use the online connections uh, to your advantage. And um, overall, just have the conversations, ask the questions. And I think that's all I got because I don't want to start rambling and repeating myself. <laughs> <laughs> and Hood Feminism is by Mickey Kendall. I looked it up and I'll have all the notes in the in the comment box and description box because you've given a lot of good authors and a lot of good book names. And we want to make sure that the listeners are able to follow up on those as well. Okay, yes. I think, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> Is there anything uh, that you want to share? What the people can, uh, how people can reach out to you, and what you're working on? Oh, sure. So, what am I working on right now? <laughs> uh, don't you have a podcast of your own, friend? I, I do, I okay. do. So, I am currently um, it, it blank quarantine, guys, because I'm trying to not run a list in my head. Like, I'm trying to make sure that I'm relaxing. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a newly licensed therapist. And so there's trainings and different things that I have to do in that development. So that's, that, that is one thing I'm working on. <laughs> My, uh, the podcast that I am on, I am a co-host with two very dynamic women. Um, it's basically, it's called Business and Bullshit. And so what we do is it's one podcast. Um, I'm sorry, three women, three perspectives, one podcast. We are all from very different backgrounds, grew up very much so as different as can be. And we decided to come together to share our views on certain topics. And so you can find us on Facebook at Business um, and Bullshit, and I'll spell it for you. It's B-U-S-I-N, yeah, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-A-N-D-B. U-L-L-S-H-T. So we just leave the I out. Okay. And so you can you can find us on all of those platforms with that name, um, except Twitter, because, of course, Twitter only allows you so many characters. And what I'll do, Shannon, is I will share the graphic with you. Awesome. Um, so that you can have that to post. And so I'm, I'm very, very proud and, and feel very fortunate to work with these women because they've been a part of my growth and their perspectives and and just sharing their experiences and it's caused some wheels to turn in my head and and to look at some things differently as well. And so very, very, very grateful for, for that. Um, I'm still a mom. So right now rocking and rolling with homeschooling, what God bless you guys. (laughs) You know, and then, um, as stated earlier, also coming into, um, my profession now as a therapist and um, I am job searching in that manner. And also, you know, just making sure that I'm, I'm doing the readings and the trainings uh, to make sure that I am good in my craft and um, you know, that I am true to my platform of, of shattering the stigma. So if you want to reach out to me, uh, the best way is Twitter, which is Isis J that's at I S S 
Y-S-S-J-A-I. I had to spell it different because somebody had my my correct spelling of my name. So I had uh, to. That sucks. <laughs> I, had to, I had to take that. So um, you can reach out to me on Twitter. That's actually one of my favorite platforms and the easiest way to interact with me. And so I will share all of this with Shannon. Um, I look forward to connecting with everybody and just expanding my network and continuing to grow. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you were able to do this and have this chat with me. I am grateful as well. Thanks for reaching out. I enjoyed this. This is awesome. Yeah. Welcome to Cocktails and Conversations. Cocktails and Conversations. (laughs) (laughs) This was wonderful. This was church for me today. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. All right, that about does it for us this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, and I'm so, so thankful to my guest, Isis, for being willing to talk and be so open on what can be a touchy subject sometimes. It can bring out a lot of deep, deep feelings. So I am extremely thankful uh, for her willingness to be here and have a conversation with us. Uh, as usual, I just want to remind you that you can shoot me an email at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. That's cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. You can leave a voice memo. I'd love to hear from you. Also, I accept advertisers. So if you have a business, a venture, an idea, or something that you want to advertise to my listeners, please reach out to me at the email that I mentioned earlier. And I'd love to work out something with you. Um, my song for the week is really just hey this is uh we're remembering the life of prince this week just dive into some of his live performances that are online some of his greatest hits um we have more prince music at our fingertips now than we ever have because his family is just releasing everything um and so we should just dive on in honey we're never going to be 100% pleased with the Prince tribute, just like we're never 100% pleased with the Michael Jackson tribute or a Whitney Houston tribute, because these people are great. They are legends and they are superior in their craft. So we're always going to, you know, compare and contrast. So let's just dive into the work of the legend. You have a wonderful week. Until next time, I love you. Be blessed. Mwah.